Hebrews chapter 10, and I want to read verse 23. I want to read verse 23. It says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without what? Wavering. For he who promised is what? Faithful. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to what? To love and good deeds. Verse 25. Not forsaking our assembling together where? In the house of God. As is the habit of some. But encouraging one another. And all the more as you see. The day drawing near. I want to talk about this morning. Developing confidence of being around God's people. I'm going to say it one more time. Developing confidence of being around God's people. We all in some way or some ways have a fear of people. I believe uh, it's either their position, their presence, People can somehow cause us to lack confidence in ourselves. Especially if you're around people who are a little bit more advanced than you. Are you with me? Insecurities around other people can cause us to lack confidence in ourselves. The fear of people has caused many people to either alter their lives, suppress their lives, give up on their dreams, amen, and the list goes on. The world has a term for it. It's called social anxiety disorder. It is... An everyday social interaction that causes irrational anxiety, fear, self-consciousness, and embarrassment. Symptoms may include excessive fear of situations in which one may judge, worry about, or even be embarrassed or humiliated or concerned about being offended all the time. Some people isolate themselves because they don't want to be around other people. As a matter of fact, some people don't like people at all. Come on, somebody. There's some people, amen, they would rather be by themselves all the time rather than be around other people. While we have developed the confidence to come back to God, we have to deal with the people of God. And can I help you with something? Sometimes that can be a challenging process. It's amazing. It's amazing to me that the devil has been working against the church for decades. Here's what the enemy wants you to think. He wants you to think that everybody's against you. He wants you to believe that church people aren't, they're not different than the people in the world. I've seen churches torn apart 
by people. Come on, somebody. I don't know if you've ever been to a church like that. I don't know if you've ever been around some church people, but you'll find out some of them are mean. Come on, somebody. Some of them are nasty. Some of them got attitudes. You walk up to them, and it just seems like the world is on their shoulders. Sometimes that's the very thing that causes some people never to come back. Do I have anybody? Jesus, through the writer, has given us thus far a great motivation. He tells us in verse 21, and this is the problem that I want you to understand that happens with people in church. People judge a church by the people in it. Y'all follow me in this? People judge a church by the people in it. And oftentimes, when a person comes through the doors of the church, they run into people like themselves, expecting them, amen, to, to encourage them, but they're not encouraging them. And then they get upset and leave the church. Many people don't have a problem with God, but they have a problem with the people of God. Because sometimes the people of God can be intimidating, especially if you think you know a lot of stuff. Especially if you and I have run into people in church who are religious and not relational. And so today I want to talk about developing confidence of being around. God's people. But before you do that, look at verse 23. It says, let us hold fast. So there are three things you need to know. I won't give you these three things. First, before you can develop this confidence. He says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope. So the first thing is you have to be confident in who you are. You can't be around other people and you're not sure who you are. He says, let us hold fast the what? The confession of our hope. It signifies that the us is all who have had their hearts sprinkled and have been made clean. The one thing that we all have in common here today, except for those who are not saved, we've been washed clean. We've been sanctified. We've been set free. Come on. Anybody here have a testimony? He said, let us hold fast the confession. Of our what? Hope. The apostle wants the believers here to have a testimony of unwavering hope. Because their faith is certain. I'm sure of who I am. Can I tell you something? You can't hang around other people if you don't know who you are. If you're always second guessing who you are. If you're not sure who you are. If your body has not been washed. Come on somebody. Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to an unknown God. Come on, somebody. If we believe when we confess, then there's hope, and we ought to hold on to that confession. Remember when you made that confession. He says, look what he says. He says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without what? Without what? Without wavering. The second thing you need to know is you have to be confident in your faith. 
You got to be confident in who you are. And then you got to be confident in your faith. If you are with others and you keep questioning your faith or comparing your faith to theirs, then you're not sure who you are. You're not sure of your faith. And oftentimes it's our faith that we're not sure of, so we waver. That word waver means to be bending all the time, to be swayed to one side one week, and then the next week you were hanging with somebody else. You're not sure, come on somebody, who you are. You and I will never really experience the joy of being in fellowship with other believers if we're not sure of our faith. Do I have anybody? He says, look what he says. He says, for he, verse 23, who promised is what? So we have to be confident in who we are. We have to be confident in our faith. But you want to write this down. You need to be confident in God. Here's the thing. You can't, you can't put so much into people where you forget God. Can I tell you something? It may not look good right now. It may not feel good right now. But if you have the confident that confidence that what God promised, he will deliver. See, the problem is that a lot of people don't understand or they don't realize or they don't know where to access his promises. Here's a promise. You ready? I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Here's a promise. I've been young and now I'm old, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor their seed begging bread. Here's another promise. The shade will be over you. I, the right hand of God will be over the righteous. Come on, somebody. The sun will not smite you my day, nor the moon by night. Listen, the, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. This is what the writer is trying to get across when God makes a promise. He's faithful. What we must do first before we come together. See, you know what I found out about why a lot of churches don't have power today? It's because we're not all together. We're not working together. We're not united together. The power is there, but it's weak. You ever have a you ever have a, a plug where the light just keep flickering? Come on, somebody. No, you, you ever have a you ever have a battery that keeps wearing out? Come on, somebody. You see, oftentimes what I found out with God's people, and the reason why we don't come together, because we got problem with each other. We can't have an issue with each other and say we're doing the work of God. You see, a lot of us are insecure because we want to do life alone. But you can't do life alone. You need somebody. You need somebody who you can call and pray with. Someone you can praise God with. I sit in church sometimes like, Lord, what is wrong? What is happening? Why does everybody look like the world is on their shoulders? And I found out is this the reason why is because we're not talking to one another. Come on, y'all. We're not, we're not what? We're not talking to one another. But look at verse 24. And there's four things, and, I'll, and I'm done. He says, let us consider then, because of what he just said. Let us what? 
That word means to take note. To perceive something. He says, well, we're going to hold fast our confession. We have Christ as the head of the church. Our bodies are sprinkled. We are washed clean. And we all have the same thing in common. But he says, now, I want you to stop. Write this down. First point is this. Develop a thoughtfulness for one another. I think about you and you think about me. Sometimes we come to church and we don't know anybody or we don't really care to know anybody. But he says, let us consider. Let us be deliberate. Not, not so in the church. He says what? People only think of themselves. Come on, somebody. We should be thinking, how can I help? my brother how can I help my sister how can I help this child how can I help this young person I see them going through come on somebody I'm trying to help you today see the reason we can't be around each other is because we're not thinking about each other have you thought about that sick person in our church have you thought about that single mother that's struggling right now probably to buy school clothes? Come on, somebody. Not knowing where the next dollar's going to come from? Come on. Have you, have you and I really thought about one another? He says, let us consider. Let us think about each other. Watch what he says next. He says, let us consider how to what? To stimulate one another to what? To love and what? Good deeds. Watch this. The word stimulate means to sharpen. To stir up. An encouragement that leads to action. He says, let us consider. In other words, I'm so thoughtful of you that I'm not just trying to get in your face. What I'm trying to do is I'm trying to sharpen you. I'm trying to stir you up. I'm trying to help you to stop putting your head down and lift your head up. Why? Because guess what? When I stimulate, when we stimulate one another, it is to love and what? Good deeds. It, it moves you from being angry all the time, from being upset all the time. Listen, when you come into the house of God, you should come to be around people that you feel loved by. Come on, y'all. So not only must we develop a thoughtfulness for one another, but the second thing we got to do is develop a relationship. And the only way it can work is if we develop a relationship with one another. Come on, y'all. Come on, y'all. Come on, y'all. I'm going to say it one more time. We have to develop a what? Listen, not just hi, how you doing? Not just a wave. This is called fellowship. If me being around you causes you to be discouraged or if me, when I see you, I'm going a different direction or I don't want to talk to you, I don't want to be around you, it's not me, maybe it's you. Because every time I come around you, you don't want to build a relationship, you just want to have a conversation. About what? About everything other than the Lord. When I speak to you, it should cause you to love. If we build a relationship, if you get to know my life, how many of you know each other's life? 
How many really know what's going on in each other's life? Confidence of being around God's people. But here's the thing, though. When I live before you, you can see. But when I build a relationship with you, guess what? You get to see whether my words are true. Anybody can come and say, I'm going to minister to you. Anybody could come and say, you know what? Well, this is what you got, which is, which is what you should be doing. And guess what? They can give you all the advice in the world. But they ain't doing now one of it when they leave church. Listen, don't let don't let your life just be about words. Let it be about relationships. We build relationships in the kingdom, y'all. We're not just looking for membership. We're looking to build meaningful, lifelong. This is why I don't understand people get mad. They leave church. They get so upset about little things, and they're the problem. They added to the problem, but then they magnified it to the point where they think it wasn't me, it was them. Y'all with me? I found this scripture to be very interesting, that I can stimulate you to love and good deeds. So in other words, the things that you do, it's done out of love and it reflects Christ while you're doing it. Come on, y'all. But look what he goes on to say next. Now let me show you what happens in church with relationships. He says next. I find this very interesting. He says not forsaking. You know, you know what that word means? To leave behind. Some of us, some people were tough in church, man. I mean, they were there, they were faithful, they were all this, and now they just left it. How do you, if you really had relationships with people, right? How can you just leave the family just like this? Oh, well, see, here's the thing. No, 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 no. The moment you joined, it was flawed. The family was flawed. Why? Because we're flawed. But watch what he says. He says, not forsaking our assembling together. This, this word means, as is the habit of some, some, not all. It means it becomes a custom. It becomes something that's done consciously. Amen. It's, it's, it's a usual practice. So what he's saying is because he wants us to stimulate one another to love and good deeds because we're holding fast to the confession of our hope because he who promises faithful, he says, now, listen, the, the next thing we got to do, right? give it to me, develop a spiritual way of dealing with your differences. We are different. I'm going to say it one more time. You got to break the cycle of avoidance and deal with any issues you may have with God's people. I'm going to say it one more time. We are God's people. Are you with me? I I'm saying, are you with me? Look at verse 26. He says, for if we go on sinning willfully after receiving the knowledge of the truth, God says, I ain't giving you no pass because you got mad. Just because
because things didn't go your way in church doesn't mean, guess what? You could stay home now. Come on now. We got a rotating schedule here, and we got two churches. <laughs> so when you tell me you can't come to church, something's wrong. Ah, I know what's wrong. You got a problem with somebody in the church. Ouch, amen, or thank you. Whichever one you want to say, that's what it is. If we are excited when you first came, my question is what happened? Why aren't you motivated to come to Bible study? Is it a certain person that you're avoiding? Why is the church not exciting to you anymore? Listen, I'm not an entertainer, y'all. I'm a preacher. <laughs> I'll say it one more time. I'm not a singer, y'all. I'm a preacher. <laughs> Amen. My job is to preach the word, y'all. You may have an issue with someone and you did not resolve it and it's stuck in your heart. And now you are living in avoidance. And you're missing out on your blessings. Maybe it wasn't this church. Maybe it was the last church. Or maybe it was the church before that. But I want to say this to you. You need to restore and resolve those issues. And you will not be right until you do that. So if there's somebody that you have an art with, if there's somebody you have something for, you got to say, man, listen, I love you. I apologize. And let's move on. Because you forsaking the assembling together, as is the habit of some, is a problem in Jesus' eyes. Because he brought it up and he says, he says, stop avoiding one another. Sit down. Talk. Listen, and ain't nothing happening in church, okay? So I don't say, let me just help you with something, okay? This is just where the scripture is taking me. But the Lord has given us a pre-warning here. He's given us a prelude to something because as we grow, we're going to have more people. And, and here's the other thing. Here's the other thing, though. Here's the other thing. Even if we don't grow, even if we stay the same, and we're building relationships, in relationships, we will have differences of opinion. We're going to have differences of thought. But here's the thing we have to learn to do. We have to learn to sit down. We ain't yelling. We ain't cussing. We ain't fighting. We ain't avoiding church, but we're going to talk to one another. Those of you watching online, I hope you're listening. Because, listen, some of you I haven't seen in a while. So whatever issue you have or may have with somebody, you better get it right with them so that you can come back to the house of God. Don't use online as a scapegoat for you to avoid fellowship. We need fellowship and we need what? Relationship. Come on, say amen, y'all. Then he says, I'm closing right here. He says, after you've done that, he says, but. See the but? You know what I found out about some people? They don't know how to encourage each other. They don't have to, how to know. They don't even know how to encourage themselves. He says, let us, let us what? But encouraging one another all the more as you see the day. 600 million, 600,000 people died. Since this panic, since this pandemic came. In the Bible, when God sent plagues, you know what he was doing? He was sending a message. You know what the message was? Come back to me. America, if you haven't gotten it yet, 
come back, quit quit having idols, quit legalizing homosexuality, same-sex marriage, and all this stuff that's an abomination to God and come back to God. And the longer we stay away from God and not repent, more people are going to die. Could it be that we're the cause? He says, encourage one another. All the more. And the reason I just said that, because he says, because the day is drawing near. It's near. Christ is coming back. Christ is coming back. And here's what we got to do lastly. Develop the ability to encourage one another. Come on, y'all. If my presence doesn't stimulate you to love and good deeds, when listen, every time you come, it's always whoa, 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 whoa. At some point, you ought to come here with some good news. If you can't find encouragement around your brothers and sisters in Christ, then what's wrong? That word, that word encourage means to aid someone, to help someone, to comfort someone. Watch this. Let's learn how to not just be about self, but to encourage people who we're worshiping with. Help them. Don't just forsake them because you have an issue with them. When you leave a church, you're not just leaving the church, y'all. You're leaving those relationships that you have built. Come on, y'all. And you don't know how that feels, y'all. But as a pastor, I know how it feels. And then I have to comfort those who have been left behind because you decided that you didn't want to deal with the issue spiritually. Millions upon millions of spectators will watch the Super Bowl this year. People reorient their lives for three hours of entertainment. They absolutely consume. The onlookers will be fans of one team or another. Rejoicing when their team progresses and being heartbroken when their team fails. For approximately three hours of great intensity, spectators will watch 22 men on a field go to battle. Spectators, you and I, will cheer or boo or criticize or analyze as the game is played. The game is over, the winner has been determined, and everything brought to finality. The fans will go back to business as usual with shirts that have not gotten dirty, pants that have not gotten ruffled, and bodies with no bruises or bumps. There's a big difference, though, between being in the stands and being on the field. Jesus Christ has a lot of fans, folk who want to show up to see what's going on. Folk who want to criticize, analyze, and cheer. Folk who, want, who when the dust settles, haven't broken a sweat. 
They don't exert much energy. In fact, they panic while the game is played. Jesus' spectators are quick to analyze how folk on the field are doing. They analyze privately by getting on the phone, talking to friends, not understanding that there's a marked difference between sitting in the stands of their living room and being on the field. Either you're a fan or you're a follower. Either you're a fan or you're a follower. Either you're in this or you're not. But here's the thing. If we're going to be together, we got to love each other. We got to stop playing games, man, for real. We got to stop talking about each other, and we have to settle our differences or whatever it is and say, listen, I love you, and guess what? Ain't nothing you can do about it. You know why? Because God saved us out of a dying world and brought us into a living kingdom. And all we got to do, y'all, is break those bad habits of avoidance. We, we serve people, man, and we're going to have issues. But what we got to do is learn how to talk it out in a spiritual way. Amen? Give God a hand clap of praise.